Hello and welcome to the First Day in Football Show. I am your host, Tobias Brown. And folks, we're doing things a little different this week. You know, we're doing a review and a preview in the same episode. Work schedules have been a little crazy, so Logan and I couldn't get together on Monday. But we're going to review last week's games and preview this weekend's upcoming games all in one. And like I alluded to, Logan's with us today. What's up, man? How we doing? Um, it was an all right week, you know. I been mean, better. Outside of the technical difficulties we just had, I feel like uh, feel like we're still rocking pretty good outside of uh, Wake Forest. Oof, you, you just had to come up with the sore subject there. Um, but if this is what you want to get at first, you know what? I've mentally prepared for this conversation for a few days now. Um, listen, they played Clemson to the bitter end. I think they had every opportunity in the world to win that game. It was their game to lose, honestly, at home. They were going well. Um, one, they couldn't just sack DJ multiple times. Two, Clemson's just way more athletic. If I watched the entire game. Clemson's just way more athletic all around. Their wide receivers, um, way better than Wake Forest's DBs. So they had a hard time trying to stop them on that. Um, I was just really impressed with how well Wake Forest was able to score, though, um, especially against that defense. I did not expect that high scoring of a game. I will say um, and the then, one thing I felt like with this game was that the quarterback play was amazing. Like, I'm looking, you know, I'm looking, you know, and Clemson won the game. We all know 51-45 in double OT. Sam Hartman, Wake Forest quarterback, I mean, he gave you everything you could have asked for up until the final play. He was about as perfect as he could have been. 20-29, 337, six touchdowns. But DJ Uagalele finally had a game. 26 of 41, 371 yards and five touchdowns. I got to get your take on it because that final play, what was it, fourth and five? And Hartman goes for the end zone. And, you know, everyone talks about what a great play it was by the DB to break it up. But my question is, why does Hartman, why are all your routes on that play going to the end zone? You could have just taken the five yards, picked up the first down, kept the drive going. Why were all of the routes going towards the end zone? I really thought I broke my computer when I was watching that. Um, I, I've never – I, I haven't been that mad in a long time. That was such a dumb decision. After having such a well-played game by him where he was making really good decisions all game, they do that. He does that. He throws it deep to double coverage in the corner of the end zone. Um, I know he had some success earlier in the game with that, but he was not double-covered at any of those situations. And he could have – just ran for the five yards. He would have had a better shot trying to run for the five yards. So that last play really angered me because I thought they were going to pull the upset, and that's what really separated him, especially after Clemson didn't get the two-point conversion on the the second time they had the ball. Well, listen, Wake does not get an easy game this weekend. They play at Florida State, 330 kickoff. And I know you're kind of saying 
Florida State hasn't been good for a while, but Mike Norvell has them playing good football. They are ranked 23rd in the country, 4-0, coming off a win last weekend, 44-14 against Boston College. And this really kicks off a stretch for Florida State in particular of three very tough games in a row. They get Wake at home this weekend. Then they go to NC State the following weekend. And then they are home against Clemson the weekend after that. So we're really going to find out if Florida State's back. Looking at it from Clemson's standpoint, you know, like we said, DJ finally has the breakout game that we've been hearing he is due for for, what, two years now? And Clemson follows it up with a 7.30 kickoff at home against NC State. You cannot stand NC State. We've heard you say how overrated they are. And I will tell you, NC State won their game last weekend. They won 41 to 10. They move up to 10th in the country and they played the, they played a very tough opponent in the Yukon Huskies. Do you think NC state can beat Clemson this weekend? I'm starting to feel like you're really trying to insult me here. Yeah. They won 41 to 10. All right. Against Yukon. Um, whoop de do. Um, I think they're going to get exposed for who they really are this week against Clemson. Um, but I say that now, and Clemson's going to go out there and lay a dud, and they're going to look like they don't know how to play football again after having that display against Wake Forest. Um, but no, I, I'm still not sold on NC State. I, I don't care what they do. Um, I think Wake Forest has, still has a shot to go to the college football playoffs, but they have to win out, and they got to beat Clemson in the ACC championship. Um, obviously, is a big task. Um, I will give a good nod to NC State, though. I did not have much hope for him against Texas Tech. I thought Texas Tech was going to win that one. Um, but, yeah, I don't – NC State's schedule so far has not wowed me, um, and they're about to get to the bulk of their schedule, so we'll see what they're made of. You know, I want to talk about an ACC team that I am proud of, and that is the Syracuse Orange. You've heard me say on this show that I think Syracuse is going to have a great season this year after they started out – really well against Louisville and UConn. They tried to give me a heart attack against Purdue, and then they followed that up by another heart attack against Virginia. They beat the Virginia Cavaliers 22-20. to uh, There was a lot of times in that game where I became very frustrated with Garrett Schrader's play at quarterback for Syracuse, but at the end of the day, a win is a win, and I'm not going to, you know, crucify Syracuse for that one. This should be an easy one this weekend. They play Wagner. Wagner FCS team who is 0-3. They've lost to teams like Fordham, Rutgers, and St. Francis. So I'm expecting Syracuse to get right, which they need to, because after playing Wagner, Syracuse has to play home against NC State and at Clemson, and then follow those up with a home game against Notre Dame and a road game against Pitt, then a home game against Florida State and a road game against Wake Forest. You want to talk about NC State having a tough schedule and Florida State having a tough schedule? Syracuse's upcoming games after this weekend against Wagner, that could very well be Syracuse maybe being five and six going into the final game of the season against Boston College if they play like they did against Virginia last Friday. Well, I mean, when you rely on your kicker to make five field goals to win the game, yeah, you're going to have a rough time no matter what. But that's just the ACC in general. I mean, all these teams are about to start their conference play here um, in the bulk of it, and they're about to have all this competition. It's not just Syracuse or NC State. I mean, all these teams are playing each other. ACC has got some highly ranked teams, so their schedules right now look pretty rough. Um, it will unfold, and we'll see who's legit or not, you know. Um, 
But after one thing I do want to highlight, though, um, even though I've kind of crapped on him a little bit, but after watching Notre Dame put on an offensive performance against North Carolina, I would definitely say there's somebody to watch out for for the ACC um, as a surprise team who could possibly just end up showing up one night and really um, outplaying you unexpectedly. You know, I think we do have to pump the brakes on Marcus Freeman, you know, being fired after year one. They have looked rather impressive, you know, since a rather embarrassing loss against Marshall. You know, Notre Dame, they beat and you know, beat UNC 45-32. And that's a UNC team who was scoring a lot of points. So for Notre Dame's offense to do that was impressive. Now I'm gonna say they get their idol this week. They don't play anybody this weekend. They come back next weekend, though, with a home game against BYU. So we'll we'll see again if this Notre Dame team has improved. I want to talk about UNC a little bit, you know, since we brought that game up. We I, I really think UNC is just a bad football team this year. You know, they blew out Florida A&M early. Then they only beat App State by two points, only beat Georgia State by a touchdown. They play Virginia Tech this weekend. Virginia Tech is a bad football team, and I still might take Virginia Tech to win that. And, I mean, yeah, I, I, I think UNC and Virginia Tech are both bad teams. I want to look at some of these other games, though, for this upcoming weekend. You know, I want to look specifically at Alabama. Alabama's 4-0, number two in the country. They blew out Vanderbilt last weekend. Everybody's saying, yeah, Bama looks great. They're on the road at Arkansas, 3.30 kickoff. And they are 17-point favorites. I know Arkansas lost to AM last weekend on a fluke fumble, but I, I don't know. I think I'm not sure Alabama is almost a three touchdown better than Arkansas. What do you think about that game? Um I, see, it depends what Arkansas shows up, you know. Um, I think Arkansas has got some real good playmakers, and that we've seen this year that Alabama is beatable. They're on the road you can beat them. Um, they've struggled a little bit when they were at Texas. Um, I don't count. I wouldn't bet on Nick Saban coming out and having the same performance they did in Texas where they kind of really struggled most of that game. Um, but I think it's one that Arkansas is not, you can't count them out just yet. They have a shot, um, but they're definitely going to have to get some things working in their favor for that. Well, you know, and on this show, we are the Kings of hot takes, right? So this is my hot take. Look at ahead at the Alabama schedule. In the next three weeks, Alabama will lose once, if not twice. And here's why. They play on the road at Arkansas this weekend. The following weekend, they're at home against AM, which is a huge break to not have to go to AM for them. But then the following weekend, they are on the road at Tennessee. And that Tennessee football team looks like a darn good football team. Moving up to number eight in the rankings, they beat Florida 38-33. And that was even weathering the storm that Anthony Richardson finally arrived. You know, I've been down on Richardson at quarterback this year, talking about how he wasn't throwing touchdowns, really looked bad. He threw for 453 yards, two touchdowns, ran for another, another two touchdowns, looked really good. But Tennessee's offense is legit. The quarterback threw for 349 yards and two touchdowns and ran for another 112 yards. I think Alabama's going to lose, if not this weekend to Arkansas, definitely I like Tennessee to upset Alabama in a couple weeks. It's an interesting take. Um, I definitely like rooting for the Rocky Top. You know, there's no – I feel like there's no better little tradition and just um, – I don't know, Tennessee's crazy, man. 
I would like to see them be back and be good again. It's been a, lo- a long time since they've been good. Um, and speaking about long time, when's the last time Alabama lost a regular season game? I mean, you, so calling it a huge streak bust here. Actually, I lied. They lost to Texas A&M last year, so not a huge streak bust, but a rare occasion. Is I think what's more rare for Alabama is when they lose to an SEC East team. We're so used to them losing to an SEC West team, whether it be an A&M, an LSU, Auburn. For them to lose to an SEC East team in the regular season is crazy because when you think about the SEC East, it used to just be, you know, Florida who was really good. And now Georgia has become really good in the SEC East. But Kentucky and Tennessee have not been good for so long. And now they're really emerging, you know, as two programs that are legit. And Kentucky, they themselves have a tough test this weekend. They're, they're 4-0. They go on the road at 12 o'clock to play 4-0 Ole Miss. That's, you know, number seven in the country, Kentucky, against number 14, Ole Miss. And Kentucky is actually the underdog in this game. And I think a lot of it has to do with their poor performance last week at home against Northern Illinois, only beating Northern Illinois 31-23. And, you know, the quarterback play, Will Levis is supposed to be one of the best quarterbacks in the country. You know, he had a nice game. I will give him 330 yards and four touchdowns, but he's also thrown four picks already this season early on. That's a, He's averaging about an interception a game, which is not good enough, in my opinion, for them to win on the road at Ole Miss. Lane Kiffin really has Ole Miss playing really good football. And it's not a surprise that Ole Miss is one of the better offenses in the SEC. You know, I know, again, they had a tight game against Tulsa, but you look at their scores this year. Outside of week one, they put up 59, 42, and now 35. So they're scoring 30-plus in every game. I like Ole Miss to beat Kentucky. Um, I wanted to get your opinion, though, on Michigan. Michigan plays Iowa this weekend at Iowa. I know Iowa has not looked impressive offensively, but going to Iowa is always hard. And Michigan last weekend – played Maryland. They won 34 to 27, but I'm not going to lie outside of Michigan's running back looking amazing. I was not impressed with Michigan at all last weekend. No, I'm going to pump the brakes on that too. Cause I'm glad you brought up Kentucky because you took the words from my mouth. I like Ole Miss a lot in this one. You look at it. They're seven point favorites. This is a classic Vegas trap bet right here. They want you to take Kentucky. It's going to be Ole Miss and it's going to be multi. It's going to be multi-digit win. Um, yeah, Kentucky has just not looked sharp enough for me to really be excited about him. And I think Will Levis, although he's a good quarterback, I just don't think he makes the best decisions all the time when he's in the pressure in the moment, you know, he, he slips up, you know, he slips up more than your typical elite quarterback. Um, so I'm not sold on him. Um, but to get on Michigan, I mean, you got to go through the gauntlet of Iowa. J.J. McCarthy did not look good at all. Um, and there's, I think we're starting to see the reason why there was such a quarterback um, competition going on through the first couple of games, because um, neither one looks good. And J.J. McCarthy, although he's very athletic and he can make plays, was not there against that Maryland defense. And if you can't do it against that Maryland defense, Iowa's defense is going to have another thing coming for you. Blake Corm is going to have to carry this team. The guy was absolutely phenomenal. I hate Michigan, but I will tip my hat off to Blake Corm. 243 yards rushing, couple touchdowns. I mean, the guy carried the team on his back. He's going to have to repeat that against a really tough Iowa defense who does not give up too many points, um, especially watching that week one game where it was just 
hard to watch at all. Now the task for Iowa is definitely going to have to try to score some. Um, that's really tough to do, you know, but we'll see. I wanted to talk a little bit because we talked about tough to watch, and I was watching a game last Friday night, Boise State and UTEP. Do you remember when Boise State was like the elite group of five school, like consistently undefeated in the Mountain West, one of the best teams in the country outside of the Power Five schools? They're terrible now. They are absolutely terrible. They played UTEP, who is another absolutely terrible football team, and Hank Bachmeyer is the starting quarterback for Boise State. The reason I say his name with such disgust is because this man went 13 of 34 for 93 yards in an entire football game. He had 16 passing yards in the first half. Folks, do yourself a favor. Don't watch Boise State football, especially not this weekend with them playing San Diego State. That was my little tangent, though, because Boise State wasted a Friday night for me. Let's get back to some games that folks might actually want to watch. And I want to talk about the Minnesota Golden Gophers, man. Minnesota's 4-0 and ranked 21st in the country. They're at home against Purdue. Tanner Morgan, their quarterback, who I feel has been with them for 20 years, looks absolutely amazing. 886 yards, seven touchdowns this year. But it's a running game as well. Muhammad Ibrahim, you know, looks very good. 567 rushing yards and eight touchdowns already this year. They absolutely demolished Michigan State at Michigan State last week, 34-7. to Minnesota's a team who I could see going undefeated and coming out of the Big Ten West because, you look, they got Illinois on the road. They do have to go at Penn State, which is going to be tough, but then home against Rutgers, at Nebraska, home against Northwestern, home against Iowa, and then at Wisconsin. I really like Minnesota. Another game I wanted to look at was James Madison, man. Three and oh, what do you think about James Madison? Three and oh, playing two and two Texas Tech, Texas State. James Madison beat App State, man. Tell us about him. Well, I'm pretty sure week or preseason preview, somebody dismissed me really quick that no one wanted to watch James Madison and James Madison was not relevant. Well, what, what, what are we doing now, Toby? What, what the change? What's the change of heart? I, I have to admit, I will say, I was not impressed with James Madison when you were throwing him at me, but they have a dual-threat quarterback in Todd Centennial who has 661 passing yards and 11 touchdowns and has ran the football for another 227 yards and a touchdown on the ground. I look for him to beat Texas State. I look at the rest of their schedule, and, you know, they do have to play Marshall at home, at Louisville, you know, home against Coastal Carolina. But this team's going to be in a bowl game this year. This team's going to win eight or nine games. They, you, you might have hit the nail on the head with this James Madison pick. I, I mean, I told you there that App State re, revised here, you know, just how App State came on the scene, did really good their first year. They're going to do the same, and they have, have the opportunity to. I mean, they don't play in a strong conference, and they come up with so much talent, and they probably have a really big uh, motivation this year to really show who they are. Yeah, I like them against Texas State. I like them against – Arkansas State, Georgia Southern. Uh, Marshall will be a little challenging. Uh, Louisville, I don't think they'll win. Old Dominion, they should win. Georgia State, Coastal Carolina, it's hit or miss. But, yeah, no, I think they're going to do really well here. Um, so, I I told you, man, that's all I'm going to say. I told you so. By the way, they blew out Middle Tennessee State. And if I'm not mistaken, Middle Tennessee State also kind of whooped somebody at home and stole their money. Um I believe it was the U. 
And so what I'm seeing here is James Madison would whoop the U, correct? I mean, if we're using that logic, because Middle Tennessee State did go on the road and take it to the University of Miami, uh, definitely an embarrassing loss for Mario Cristobal as he's trying to tell us the U is back. Um, if we're using that logic, then you should feel confident with James Madison playing Louisville. Because, I mean, outside of Malik Cunningham – Louisville's not that impressive, so maybe you need to retract and give James Madison even more love. I don't know. There's just something about Louisville. I like the quarterback play. Um, obviously, his stats aren't going to show it, but, I mean, Louisville's not a team that I expect to come in and ever kill anyone, but they're going to scrap you to the end. I mean, they killed Southern Florida, scrapped around with Florida State, scrapped around with UCF and won. I mean, Syracuse blew them out, but that's whatever. I mean, they're a scrappy kind of team. You know, they're not going to come in and just out, um, play lights out. Um, they're going to play to the bitter end, and that's how they're going to win. You know, I want to talk about some other quarterback play, and I want to talk about the University of Kansas. Kansas football is 4-0, man. They I'm beat glad Duke. you brought it up. Yeah, I mean, I knew you were going to love this one. They beat Duke 35-27. They're at home against Iowa State, who is and 3-1. Um, Iowa State's quarterback, not bad stats, has thrown for over 1,000 yards. Obviously, he's going to air it out, but he's also thrown five interceptions. The reason I want to talk about quarterback play, though, is Kansas has a quarterback who is being slept on. Jalen Daniels, you need to know the name. The guy has thrown for 890 yards, 11 touchdowns, only one interception, and he has ran for another 320 yards and four touchdowns on the ground already this year. I think Kansas is going to beat Iowa State this weekend. I think they're going to beat TCU next weekend. I think they're going to be sixteen and they're going to be six and zero going into a matchup on the road at Oklahoma on October fifteenth. Can we get Kansas ranked yet, man? Um, I definitely think it's a disrespect thing that they're not ranked right now. Speaking that there's teams that are ranked who have less impressive records and things to show for, aka Pitt. Um, Kansas has beaten some of the similar opponents um, away, I will make note of. Um, so a little disrespect, I think Kansas is getting here and that just the voters are just sticking true with the brands of who they pick. Um, they put up a lot of points. Fun fact, they tie Ohio State in touchdowns this year, I'm pretty sure, 99% sure. So if you can – if it's crazy to put Kansas – a foot in football compared to the Ohio State Buckeyes and CJ Stroud. Um, I like Kansas. I think they got something going for them. The only thing that scares me is how do they do under pressure? Kansas is, hasn't had to play under pressure in a very long time. These kids have no idea what they're in for. Um, so I, I think if there's one thing that cracks this is Kansas team is just the hype of it and the pressure from outside forces. Well, and here's the other thing with that. You know, they play Oklahoma on October 15th. They follow that up with a game against Baylor and then follow that up with a game against Oklahoma State. So they might be 6-0 and going into that Oklahoma game, but following the Oklahoma State game, they could very well be 6-3. and So, you know, I don't want to say Kansas is a title contender or anything, but it's a nice feel-good story. You brought up the Buckeyes, so let's get to them. They beat Wisconsin 52-21. Man, it looked great. I felt so good watching this game watching us up 31-7 at halftime. The offense looked really good. You know, Stroud, he did throw the interception, something we haven't seen him do a ton of, but he did finish with 281 yards, 
and five touchdowns. Travion Henderson, 121 yards on the ground. And Igmeka Igbuka, six catches, 118 yards, and two touchdowns. I really feel like with the emergence of Igbuka, Marvin Harrison Jr., Julian Fleming having another nice game, that we can allow Jackson Smith and Jigba to take his time to be fully healthy. You know, Ohio State plays at home. They play Rutgers at New. Actually, it's a 3.30 kick. So you get Rutgers at 3.30 this weekend. Then you're at Michigan State. If Smith and Jigba's not healthy, let him sit those two games. I'm not worried about Rutgers or Michigan State. How do you feel about the Buckeyes right now? Um, They definitely were doing anything they wanted during that game. Um, just at will for the Buckeyes, just Wisconsin didn't have an answer. By the way, watching that tight end for Wisconsin snap his ankle was kind of disgusting. Um, but no, I the only thing that really concerned me though was how much Strout was leaving some of his guys just open and exposed to getting killed. Like your boy Kate Stover, multiple times that game was just getting nailed for no reason. I mean, he was just leaving them long and putting them in situations that were and not in his best interest. And that was the same for a couple of his other throws. So I like to see CJ Stroud kind of clean it up a little bit, you know, and making, um, looking out for his boys a little bit more. You know, ever good. I was going to say, you know, the one thing with that too, is this is a Wisconsin defense. It is a hard hitting defense. And we just showed that our speed can handle their strength any day of the week. I, I told you, I was really concerned about the Wisconsin defense and for us to put up 52, I, I, I feel really good about – I feel very, very good about the state of this offense right now. Yeah, um, I like it a lot. Let me bring something to your attention here. <clears throat> so, we watched Washington, who has come onto the scene with full force, you know. What do you think about Washington only being two-and-a-half-point favorites over UCLA? You know, I saw that line, and, you know, as I said, we are your degenerate gambling podcast at this point. And Washington, who's number 15 in the country, they're 4-0, blowout win against Michigan State, followed it up with a blowout win at home against Stanford, 40-22. to Michael Penix Jr., their quarterback, who, of course, transferred in from Indiana, has continued to look good. He was 22-37 for 309 yards and two touchdowns in the game against Stanford. I, I'm, I'm surprised. I know the game is at UCLA, but UCLA doesn't have a big home field advantage. I know UCLA is 4-0, but really dive into UCLA's schedule. They blew out Bowling Green. They blew out Alabama State. Then they only beat South Alabama by a point, and then they blew out Colorado, who is really bad this year. I, I don't understand this. To me, if you can get Washington at minus 2.5, take it, because I think Washington is going to blow out UCLA. It, it's kind of got a trap bit trap bait written over a little bit for me here but i like washington a lot um but if you really look at those ucla wins yeah they blew out bowling green but if you watch that first half ucla was horrible bowling green was in that game for a lot longer than they should have south alabama should have won that game against ucla and colorado is probably arguably one of the i'm sorry colorado state and colorado are both arguably probably one of the worst college football teams this year in division one um I just say Colorado State just because Michigan played them, but a um, little pity there. But, yeah, not nothing impressive there um, at all from UCLA. So, they're 4-0, um, but they're about to play Washington, Utah, Oregon, Stanford. Um, I think these are four straight losses for the Bruins. You know, we, we talk about our degenerate gambling advice, and, you know, 
A money line I was looking at is this Texas A&M Mississippi State game. It's at Mississippi State. Mississippi State three and one. A&M number seventeen in the country. They're also three and one. Mississippi State's a four point favorite, man. I would I I would be hammering A&M on this one. Mississippi State. They beat Bowling Green, who was coming off a nice win against Marshall, but they got beat pretty handily by LSU. They beat Arizona and they beat Memphis. I love AM in this game. I love AM big in this game. One name, Mike Leach. Air raid. You're going with the air raid. You think the air raid offense keeps it close? Never count Mike Leach out, man. Never count him out. Well, hey, you know, I told you I didn't want to spend too much time on the college game because I need to gloat. I need to go on my victory lap in the NFL. I came on this show before the NFL kicked off, and I told you not so fast on the Buffalo Bills. And I almost last week took back my take and started to give you praise on Josh Allen. And you you were feeling yourself. And then they ran into the true AFC East champions, the Miami Dolphins. And let me just tell you, folks, Josh Allen threw the football over 60 times last week. Threw the football over 60 times, and guess what? It didn't matter. Tua Tugavailoa gets hurt. It doesn't matter. The Dolphins still beat the Bills 21-19. to I'm not saying Josh Allen didn't look good. Josh Allen still looked like the MVP of the NFL through three weeks. He went 42-63, 400 yards, two touchdowns, and then ran the ball another eight times for 47 yards. But it didn't matter. Miami is just better. 21-19. What do you say to the AFC champions, the Miami East, the Miami Dolphins? All I gotta, all I gotta say, is it's all fun and sunny down in Miami now that it's September. But I think there's one crucial thing here, and that's Miami has to go up to Buffalo in the middle of December and do it again. And I don't think it's in them. I think I don't think Tua has it in them to do it again. I like the Dolphins schedule between now and when they play the bills again, there's only really one, two teams in there that are going to challenge them. One being Cincinnati who they have tomorrow night, which is Thursday. We're recording this Wednesday. So they have my, the Cincinnati Bengals tomorrow. Um, the Vikings might put up a fight, not to count anyone out because this is the NFL and anyone can win on any certain day, but the Dolphins have a lot easier of a road to the next meeting with the Bills and the Bills have with the Dolphins because the Bills have to go. They play the Ravens at Baltimore. They have to play the Chiefs at Kansas City. They got to play the Packers. They got to play the Vikings. They got to play at Lambeau all before they play the uh, Dolphins again, which is a hard, hard road to go. Well, you know, we talk about degenerate advice, you know, the Dolphins and Bengals do play Thursday night football tomorrow. It's in Cincinnati. The Bengals are a four-point favorite, and I just don't like that. I don't feel comfortable with the Bengals. Um, they still have a lot of question marks, a lot of issues, I feel, on the offensive line. You know, they got a tune-up win against the Jets. You expect them to beat the Jets. But I'm picking the Dolphins to win that game, so I definitely like the Dolphins at plus four. You know, you talked about the Bills going to the Ravens this weekend, and the Ravens, you know, got back on the right trend beating New England at New England. Mac Jones gets hurt in that game. His, his status for this weekend's kind of up in the air. You hear it's a high ankle sprain, but he's making progress. I, 
who do you have winning the Bills and Ravens? Because I'm going to be honest, I'm leaning Baltimore because of how well Lamar Jackson's playing right now. Yeah, I mean, Lamar Jackson started out, I mean, he's had a hot year. He's already got 12 touchdowns. He's definitely having that MVP um, candidate season that we all thought he would have because he's, you know, he's got no contract at the end of this year and hasn't negotiated a long-term deal. So he's going out for the money. Um, he's going to play his game. Um, I think it's a close one. Maybe it's going to be a high-scoring event, but I think the Bills are going to get the best of the Ravens just because the Bills have a little bit better of a defense than the Ravens do right now. Um, and the Ravens are just injury-riddled already, as they were last year as well. You know, and then talk a little bit about our hometown teams. You know, we already hit on the Bengals a little bit. Talk about the Browns. Nice win on Thursday night football against the Steelers. A terrible offense in Pittsburgh. Mitchell Trubisky, at this point, I think it's time. We know he's not the guy. Go ahead and let Kenny Pickett take some snaps at this point. But the Browns are at Atlanta this weekend. Atlanta coming off their first win of the season against the Seahawks. That game was tough to watch. It was not very exciting. It was Marcus Mariota against Geno Smith. What do you expect? But Cleveland really could come out of this game at 3-1, and one, and I told you they were going to be 6-5 and five without Deshaun Watson. They could go beat Atlanta. Then they are home against the Chargers, a Chargers team who lost their all-pro left tackle, Rashawn Slater, to some torn biceps, so he's done for the year. They also lost one of Justin Herbert's favorite deep threats in Jalen Guyton, who tore his ACL, so his season's done as well. So the Chargers are looking a lot tougher. Um, you know, it's a tougher road for the Chargers to have success. Then you get the Patriots, the Ravens, the Bengals, the Dolphins. I mean, there's going to be some L's coming up for the Browns, so definitely need to take care of business this week against Atlanta. You know, you felt very confident in the Chargers. You felt very confident that the Chargers were going to win the AFC West. And the Chargers, we talked about the losses they have in injuries. I thought the loss they took against Jacksonville last week I tweeted out, I think Jacksonville's a legit playoff contender, but are you starting to worry about are the Chargers a playoff contender? I think you also missed a very key injury there is uh, Bosa is also on the IR with a horrible groin um, injury. And, you know, preseason predictions, they are what they are. I could have never forecasted this many losses in one week for the Chargers. Um, and if I could, I wouldn't be here right now. I would be doing this for a lot more money. But um, things are going to start looking rough. Um, good thing for the Chargers, though, is their schedule gets a little bit simpler. You got the Texans on the road. You got the – I mean, the, you got Browns on the road, so I'm not really excited about that one. But then you got the Broncos at home, the Seahawks at home. You got the Falcons, the 49ers, all teams that have been struggling – and can pick up wins on though, because you still have Mike Williams, you still have Eckler in the backfield, and Justin Herbert, I think, is a really good quarterback. So he's still has weapons, um, and I think they're going to be able to win ball games. Um, it gets a little hard with the Chiefs and Cardinals and Raiders, so some interdivisional play, um, finishing off with the Dolphins. But then they got a pretty simple last four games here: Titans, Colts, uh, Rams, hit or miss, and then finish with the Broncos. So. Uh, the Chargers can still do it. It's just going to be a tough road for them, and they're going to have to definitely win all the games that are um, they're expected to win. You know, the Jaguars, huge win for them. Huge win for them on the road against the Chargers. They're rewarded 
with a road game this weekend against the 3-0 Philadelphia Eagles. I think the Jaguars are coming back down to earth. I really like this Philly team. Um, you know, some other games that I want to look at, we do have the Colts getting their first one of the season against the Chiefs. That one, to me, is more of a fluke game. I'm not going to really weigh into that one too much. There's always games like that. I think the one thing this weekend showed us with the Jaguars beating the Chargers, the Colts beating the Chiefs, is anybody can beat anybody in the NFL because this is professional football. And these teams, you know, although we do have some clear-cut better teams, these are all still pro athletes. You know, really the game that I want to highlight, too, is this Sunday night football game. Patrick Mahomes against Tom Brady. This could be a preview of the Super Bowl, but the Buccaneers offense looked bad last week. Are you starting to worry about the Bucs? I was worrying about the Bucs game one. I mean, really, when you have that many injuries and you haven't even played a game yet, um, I, I mean, right now I'm looking at the injury list of just the guys that are already been playing this year. I mean, you still have Julio Jones questionable, Russell Gage questionable, and Brashard Pierman. I mean, these are your guys that have had to step in because you've already lost your wide receiver one and wide receiver two, and you're already having these guys kind of battered up. Um, so, I'm, yeah, I'm really worried for the Buccaneers, but I'm never going to count them out because you got Tom Brady throwing the ball. So, never say never, but I'm definitely worried for them because they're just – I've never seen so many injuries – uh, lined up for them, and they cannot score points. I mean, they're averaging 17 points a game, and they're getting bailed out by their defense because their defense is averaging only nine points a game given up. Um, but Kansas City with a high-powered offense might blow that away this week. You no, know, I want to talk about another offense that's actually looks surprisingly pretty good, and that is the Dallas Cowboys. Cooper Rush is 2-0 and this season as a starter. 3-0 and in his career, man. He joins the likes of a guy named Jason Garrett who, as Cowboy starters, won their first three games. So, rarefied air to be in the same company as the great Jason Garrett. But the Cowboys are at home against the Washington Commanders this weekend. I really think Cooper Rush could go 3-0 this season as a starter, and we're hearing rumblings that Dak is actually, you know, his healing is going a lot better than we thought. He could come back a lot sooner. This is a Cowboys team that I know the Eagles look really good, but I think the Cowboys are still in it in the NFC East. The other game that I wanted to highlight is the Monday night football game. You have the 49ers and the Rams. And the reason I bring this game up is because last week we were all singing the praise of John Lynch and, you know, how wonderful he, you know, of a mastermind he was to keep Jimmy Garoppolo when Trey Lance went down. Well, he kept Jimmy Garoppolo, and they lost on Sunday Night Football 11-10 to to the Denver Broncos, and it was bad. At one point, Jimmy Garoppolo had a safety where he just ran out of the back of the end zone, didn't realize he had run out of the back of the end zone, and proceeded to still throw the pass. He pulled what we call a Dan Orlovsky because Dan Orlovsky, the former Lions quarterback, is the only other guy I've seen do that. I think Jimmy Garoppolo showed us last week why Trey Lance was drafted. And it's because John Lynch knew Jimmy Garoppolo is not the guy. Um, I, This is one of the games I think the 49ers, surprisingly, I might really regret saying this, but I think the 49ers might be able to pull this one off at home simply because the Rams do have some injury questions in the back in their secondary right now, um, which could give Jimmy G some additional opportunities to hit guys like Debo Samuels and Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle, who's finally back now and healthy. 
Um, so I think there's some opportunity to be had there. Um, might eat my words next week, but you know, a little shocker here. You got to have something crazy. 49ers pull off a win here. Hey, I like it. You know, my hot take is not necessarily a win or a loss with the NFL this week. My hot take is we're going to Chicago and the bears, they're two and one, you know, it's nice. Blah, blah, blah. They played the giants this week. You know, we won't talk about how bad the giants looked against Dallas. And I know people are going to say, well, you guys said Daniel Jones is getting a second contract. Folks, Daniel Jones didn't have a second to breathe. His offensive line played absolutely terrible. Their first-round pick, Evan Neal, got demolished by Demarcus Lawrence all night. I'm not putting that loss on Daniel Jones, but the reason I'm looking at that Bears-Giants game is because Justin Fields looks awful. Justin Fields does not look like an NFL quarterback. He has played some really bad football this year. And I say all this to say, I think Chicago may be drafting a quarterback next year. You look at what is available in next year's quarterback class. And you have CJ Stroud, you have Bryce Young, you have DJ Uagalele, you have other guys like a Will Level, Will Levis at Kentucky, who are playing very good football. Fresno State has a quarterback who's already thrown for, I believe, 12, 1300 yards this year. There's a lot of quarterbacks who are going to be coming out next year. I just think that the Bears may be good to cut ties with Justin Fields. I know they beat the Texans last week, 23 to 20. But Justin Fields went 8 of 17 for 106 yards and two interceptions. They won that game solely because Khalil Herbert came in after David Montgomery got hurt and carried the ball 20 times for 157 yards and two touchdowns. Justin Fields has looked terrible this year. His stats through three games, 297 passing yards, two touchdowns, four interceptions. That's through three NFL football games. Mind you, the NFL is the most pass-happy football league of all time. Justin Fields is not an NFL starting quarterback. My hot take is this is the last season we see we see Justin Fields as the starter for the Chicago Bears. That's a, that's a pretty short leash. I mean, he's only gotten one season under his belt. He's three games into the second of a of an organization that's really had no other, no talent really to compliment their new quarterback when he came into the league and already have lost anyone they've tried to get to help him out, you know? Um, and I question the coaching that he's getting to help progress him to be that NFL quarterback, that potential that he had when he was drafted um, just a little bit, but I mean, they can get – I feel like if this is – if they go that route, what you're saying, we're going to see like a Cleveland Brown thing where we're just tra- we're just transitioning quarterback after quarterback because we, we can't get one to do it just because we can't complement them with some weapons on offense or an offensive line. Um, I don't know. I think it's – that's a pretty quick let go from a guy you just drafted last year who you thought was going to be the guy for you. Well, and here's my thing with it. You know, I understand it's a short leash, and I understand that his best wide receiver is Darnell Mooney. You know, I understand that he he really has not had the weapons. They brought in a Nikhil Harry, an Equinamius St. Brown, and a Byron Pringle in the offseason. Those were the wide receivers he was supposed to work with. I get all of that. But his play overall has looked terrible, and there's precedent for this. You saw it with the Arizona Cardinals. They took Josh Rosen in the first round, watched a year of Josh Rosen, thought it was terrible, and drafted Kyler Murray number one overall the next year. To me, 
they have to cut bait at this point. You don't want to get stuck in the situation they had with Mitchell Trubisky where they were just, you know, treading water and it was never good enough. You know, they, they haven't had the, the bears have not had good quarterback play for a while. Jay Cutler was their best quarterback. And even that it was, you know, average at best. So to me, this isn't, you know, crazy for them to move on. If Justin Fields isn't going to get it done considering the fact you're in a division with the likes of an Aaron Rodgers, a high powered offense, like the Minnesota Vikings with Kirk cousins, Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen and a lions team who is playing much better football, much more competitive football. The bears are quickly going to get passed up by all three of those teams. If they don't do something to make their offense more innovative. Now I will say this could all be for not if the bears run Justin Fields a little more, Justin Fields has a real dual threat, you know, aspect to his game. And I feel like it's not being unleashed with the offensive scheme that the Bears are currently running. It's a good point. I mean, I see what you're saying with it. Um, I, my only thing is, sure, you get rid of Justin Fields, but what's going to be different about whoever you're bringing next year? You know, I just see this repeating pattern. Nothing's going to change. If you put C.J. Stroud in this team right now, I think it's even worse. I don't – I think Justin Fields has a lot more confidence than C.J. Stroud does sometimes when I look at C.J. Stroud playing. Um, but, I mean, I don't think a new quarterback is the answer for the Bears. I think there's a lot more question marks at stake here that need to be answered before you blame the quarterback. Um, that's just my take, though. Um, well, let's yeah. look at let's look at NFL draft quarterbacks who are going to be coming out. You've got Bryce Young, obviously. Bryce Young is, you know, Alabama quarterback, Heisman Trophy winner, all those things. And we have C.J. Stroud, who we know very well here in Buckeye country. But then you've got Tanner McKee, the 6'6", 230-pound junior from Stanford. I know Stanford football has been bad, but Tanner McKee is a legit guy. I mean, he's got an 85.8 overall PFF grade this year. He's looked really good. you got Will Levis at Kentucky, Anthony Richardson at Florida. You know, I know that not all these names are attractive, But these guys can play, you know, even going down to a Tyler Van Dyke at Miami or a Devin Leary at NC State. I, you know, in my personal opinion, then maybe this is a hot take and you can crucify me for it later. I I think that Tyler Van Dyke at Miami throws a better football right now than what Justin Fields is throwing. And I don't know if that is Justin Fields not trusting his offensive line, guys like Tevin Jenkins, the second-year pro at Oklahoma State, or if it's just – Justin Fields really isn't the guy and that, you know, the one not coming out of Justin, you know, when Justin Fields was coming out of Ohio state was he holds the football too long. He, he, he can't make his reads quick enough. He was holding the football for over three seconds in between each throw in college. And we've seen that a lot. He takes some really bad sacks and makes some really bad reads because it feels like the speed of the game is too quick for him at times. And I think that's why I feel that it's not just the receivers. It's the speed of the game, but you know, we're going to find out. We're going to find out because he's going against a Giants team that has little to no pass rush. But we're going to find out who is right on it, man. But, you know, that's all we got for you guys this week. You know, obviously, you see, we're still the kings of hot takes. You know, we'll have some more. We've got some great interviews coming up for you guys, too. We're sitting down with Otterbein offensive coordinator David Carroll again. We've got some other interviews coming out with some different pro prospects and different pros throughout the different leagues. Well, like I always tell you guys, rate, subscribe, and review to the podcast. Until next time, we'll see you guys later. Have a good one.